0: It's May 4th, 2023. This is Rook. Welcome to episode 261 of Rokam shian Gomeshi. Hello to you from Toronto. Hello to you from Canada. Salam Dustan Aziz. Durood Basham. I hope you are doing well. Wherever you are tuning in from around the world, we are on an ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. Episode 261, Pega. Wow. Did I tell you that when I was in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. there was this uh, the well-known actor... Okay. Uh, I don't want to say his name because now we've asked him to be on the show. And right. so I want to, uh, I don't want to jinx it because he's going to come on. But there was this well-known actor and he came up to me. I've never met him before mm-hmm. and said, how come I haven't been on Rook yet?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that good? That is great. Yeah. yeah. That was nice. Looking forward to having him on then.
0: Yeah, if he'll come on. <laughs> <After> he, <laughs> I
1: mean, he asked. Well, he
0: did ask. I mean, he didn't ask. He actually was like disappointed that yeah. he, he hasn't been asked. And I think we have asked him. Oh. But he was, but anyway, he was aware of the show and a regular listener. And I thought that was, that was kind of awesome. cool. Um, a star in the making. That's the title of this episode. And it's a reference to uh, our first guest, mm-hmm. uh, our featured guest, Aida Rostku. And you, you know that mm-hmm. I've been raving about this person. Yes. This German, Iranian singer, songwriter, performer, uh Composer. really great really composer really yeah. great piano player she's an award-winning classical piano player she's 17 mm-hmm. and i was i was researching preparing for this i think this might be her first big interview in english i know she she speaks english mm-hmm. she actually records some songs in right. english and her hero is adele but and you know oh, in germany know smart people speak english i mean say it's, <laughs> it's not a europe is you know people can speak different languages but um I've only seen her do interviews in Persian mm-hmm. and she's so well spoken. I mean, first of all, she was born in, and raised in Germany, but she speaks Persian, you know, a lot better than you. Maybe not as good as me. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, she's she speaks great. And she's apparently uh writes and reads and, mm-hmm. and uh uh so she's and she's got this perspective and she's seems really smart and, and she's just uber talented. You know, she came and did that for Iran show yes. at the, at the, the big I arena here in Toronto, her there, yeah. and blew everybody away. And she was the, one of the only artists that, that got up there and played solo. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, it was just amazing. That's the amazing, 17-year-old yeah. who's, you know, many people hadn't heard of, other than those who watch The Voice, well, I was going to say right.
1: I was actually a fan of hers as I was watching that show. I kept on saying, "I hope this girl wins because she's so young and she's so talented."
0: Hard not to be a fan. I mean, Amin is great; the guy yes, who won. He we is, had him on last sure. week, but but Ida, yeah. So Ida Rasku joining us from Hamburg, and later in the show, Bark Bargir.
1: Quite a last. Name. It's not easy
0: because it's bark, like electricity, yes, and then Gir. Okay. You say it. Yeah.
1: I I have to pause.
0: I know. I've never heard of a last name where you have to pause in the middle of it. Gomesh (laughs) E. But I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. I think I'm going to. It's going to be, and she's been on the show before. Say that had a couple practice. of times quickly. <laughs> Solmaz, balqir, balqir, balqir. <laughs> uh, Solmaz will be joining us on the Roots, the roots of the Disunity mm-hmm. that is taking place in the Iranian diaspora. Yeah. She has an idea around taking a new approach to how to support the uprising in Iran. For those of us who are in the diaspora, want to support mm-hmm. the people inside Iran. Solmaz, as you may know, is a life coach and a motivational yes. speaker does very well in social media. She's been on the show before. Mm -hmm. She says we are experiencing relationship barriers in our community. No surprise. uh, That are causing our inability to unify as a global community. I mean, we've talked about the disunity. We We talked about the disunity long before there was disunity. I mean, (laughs) it's been a theme of the show for three years. Why can't Persians work together collectively and stop being angry at each other or shaming each other or canceling each other or whatever it is. Uh, and now we're experiencing it uh, with when it comes to mm-hmm. support for the revolution and different factions and different groups and different uh, ideas and so uh, Solma is going to take that on and bring her perspective as a life coach.
1: I'm actually interested to hear that because I think you know we've talked about it of course, but to get someone's perspective who's kind of dove into it or done a deep dive or so, then that'll be interesting to hear for sure. Yeah.
0: Solma's back gear coming up. Aida Rostgu before her from Hamburg coming up. Um, we're going to do a bit of a roundup in just a second. My, uh, you know, when you're breaking in some shoes, mm-hmm. you know that thing where you've got new shoes and yeah. you have to—they have to form your feet because. <laughs> so I've got these new shoes on, and uh, they're Prada. Okay, Prada shoes. I had shoes. to actually look at your
1: shoes for a sec.
0: Yeah, they're Prada shoes, but they're not really Prada. <laughs> They say Prada on them, okay. but they're fake Prada. And I think because they're fake Prada, uh-huh. they like the leather is not good enough to... <laughs> it's just like no matter how much I wear them, it's not breaking in because it's just like some cheap product. But is it is. your
1: first time wearing them?
0: It's one of my first okay. times wearing them well, because the last time, time I wore them, they weren't comfortable. Oh. So do you remember when I went to Lebanon, Beirut? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, and the guy said... Why don't you have an Iranian passport? Right, remember right. the whole scene out there. So for the first, I can't remember ever doing this in my life. I've always, you know, how there's this imitation. You go to, like, a downtown street or something, and mm-hmm. you'll see, uh, you'll see, uh, like, but you can buy a Rolex watch for fifteen yeah. bucks, like that kind of thing, or or actually forty dollars. Just right. you know, so so there's a lot of that in the Middle East. Let's mm-hmm. face it, right? So there's these stores in in Lebanon where, you know, they're selling like oh look at this Prada. Sh-. First of all, I would never buy Prada shoes. Okay. For running shoes. I mean, who's? Why would you spend a thousand dollars on running shoes? Then you really have too much money.
1: Mm-hmm. You probably don't <laughs> tell me you very do that. Quiet. Have you done that? Um, I mean. I'm wearing Gijimashi stickers oh right now. <laughs> so. This is why
0: you know what? I caved for a moment, like, and I, I was like, "I was gonna what? say
1: no, but then I, I, you know, I have to uh, be honest. I I'm sitting that's here so wearing ridiculous. them." So ridiculous!
0: I just don't get it. I don't get. I never. But it's the whole Persian thing, and it's actually one of the reasons why I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll buy a buy a brand. Mm-hmm. You know, but this will be fun. I'll buy like you know. I mean, I look at I'm not. If somebody gives me a gift certificate, right. and Or somebody you know bought me some product, I'm not gonna not wear the meta ideological principles but I don't I really do think it's obscene to spend extreme amounts of money on a piece of clothing but
1: to be fair I I'll only spend that much if I really really like something like I have to really oh like it God. in order to but I'm also do you know I will admit families the price I'm of like.
0: uh, of product shoes <laughs> could feed anyway so uh whatever I the point is I, uh, and the person I was with was like get the fake Prada shoes get the fake Prada shoes they look just like Prada shoes so like I buy the fake Pradas mm-hmm. and then and now uh,
1: you're having trouble breaking them in
0: I, I wore them once and I was like this is horrible why did I buy these things they don't feel like I was more comfortable in my Adidas you know like what am I doing with this Yeah. so then I wore them today I think it's like a second or third time I've worn them and uh, uh yeah I well, mean, This is my, what you it get. It might
1: just take two or three times. But they look them. like Prada shoes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you said that, I remember. Oh gosh, I, I must have been so young. But I remember when we used to take like summer trips to New York City with family. Mm. There used to be like vendors on um, yeah. some like street corner Selling or whatever, fake stuff. holding. No, they wouldn't sell it on the street. Uh. They would. Hold one item, so like uh. let's say a fake Chanel bag or something, and then if you if they saw you looking at it, they would come up to you and kind of whisper like, "Oh, come with me. I'll show you where it is." And they would take you to like some weird. That's
0: what I. That's what like, happened in Beirut. Yeah, it was that's like exactly. Some weird, they took me like, upstairs in an elevator somewhere. Well, and then, that's exactly. Then there it. was like all these like brand name Gucci shoes and stuff. For some <laughs> reason, they were only eighty bucks. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a lesson in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Stick to your. Your Pumas stick to your Adidas, Adidas running shoes. You don't need fake products, mm-hmm. except you you need real products, <laughs> apparently. I don't need fake products uh, or any kind of products unless you want to send me them. We are coming to you on rookmedia.com. It's there that you can link to all of our platforms. We are on Spotify and SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, Instagram, Castbox. If you want to see some visuals with Rook, in other words, uh, this interview we're about to do with IDA. If you wanna watch it or watch clips from it, you can go to our YouTube channel. And if you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and in Persian, check us out on Telegram. Also, you can become a Rook member. We really appreciate this. Mm -hmm. If you become a Patreon member, go to our website rookmedia.com and press the support us button to become a Patreon member. Just for a few bucks a month, we'll give you some uh, uh, extra Content and uh, we really appreciate your help in helping us build this audiovisual encyclopedia. We talk about Pega. Thank you. So you're going to come back after Solomon's for yes. the Rook Roundup. I look forward to that. See you then. Let's get to our feature guest. It's time to get to our feature guest, a young artist I have been raving about on this show. If you, if you were one of the Iranians, the many Iranians around the world watching the singing competition, The Voice Persia, in the last couple of months. You will have seen this outstanding Iranian German singer, songwriter, and pianist. Take a listen to
2: this. In <laughs> There you
0: go. A Little Taste of Nemicham, a song recorded, performed, and co-written by my feature guest today, Aida Rastgu, or Aida Rastgu, I should say. And Nemicham translates roughly into, I don't want it, I don't want to, and it's something of a protest song she wrote. And recorded during the uprising uh, over the last seven months ida was born and raised in germany she started playing the classical piano at the age of five or six then she took an interest in acting she performed in the musical the sound of music across germany and despite still being in her teens she has made a name for herself as a brilliant pop singer an award-winning classical piano player an actor and a composer and of course she was the runner-up on The Voice. And right now, Aida Rostku joins me from Hamburg, Germany today. Hello.
3: Hey, dear Gian. Uh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, you know, I've, I have i don't even know if you do know. I don't know how much you might have listened to our show, but I, you know, I've been raving about you, right? That I just think you're
3: you so <laughs> I'm a big fan.
0: I'm a, I'm a Taraftar. <laughs>
3: thank you so much. Me too. Your channel is so amazing. Thank you. And I've listened to many of your interviews.
0: I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. I mean, you are still only 17 years old. I hate to put you in that category, but this has just been quite a year or two for you. How, let's start with that. How are you feeling right now?
3: Um, I'm feeling very great. Um, Right now I've written um, my high school diploma exams just last week, so I feel very relieved. To have them behind me. And now a new chapter is opening for me very soon. So I will graduate and then I will study. And yeah, so that's a lot of changing this year for me. Yeah. <laughs> you,
0: you know, my guess is based on your personality and your incredible uh, talents and your ambitions that you're probably pretty good at school, right? Are you, did you do well in high school?
3: I would say, um, it's okay. <laughs> it's good. Yes. <laughs>
0: but you are blessed with parents who, despite, um, you know, showing the kind of talents that you have in all kinds of areas, including your intellect, who don't require you to be a doctor or engineer, right?
3: Absolutely not. Um, my uh, my parents have always pushed me towards my interests. And now they also say that I have to study something um, which I'm interested in and follow my dreams and my desires and they've never been this way that they forced me to do a certain thing. So, yeah. Do you,
0: I mean, do you realize how big a deal that is? You know, there's two things in uh, at work here. One is that you, first of all, at a young age, and I'm talking about a few years ago, uh, despite yeah. notwithstanding your age now, but you you knew what you wanted. You knew what your passion is, which is a huge step. There are people walking around in their 40s or 50s or 30s that don't have no idea what they yeah. want still. You know, you know. Yeah. And second of all, to have that kind of parental support, I mean, you probably even personally know stories of. Of, of kids who um, excel uh, maybe at sports or arts or something like that and ho- and are repressed, especially in the Iranian community, are repressed from doing what they love because there's this yeah. idea that, first of all, you have to be tahsil kardeh and you have to go and get mm-hmm. the degree or whatever. Uh, it, it's a big advantage that you have, you know?
3: Yeah, I also really appreciate it that I have such supporting parents uh, that, motivate me to um, continue making music and they have been always the biggest supporters in my life Uh, but i think also uh, in the persian culture a lot has changed throughout the years so uh, i have the feeling that parents get more tolerant year by year but yeah i'm very happy that my parents have always been this way
0: yeah when you say they motivate you i mean i'm i'm sure they're cheering you along i'm I, they were probably there when you were recording the voice say and all of that but um can they be critical as well i mean who keeps you in check as as a singer and as an artist who who kind of says you know you could you could have probably sang that better or or go yeah, back and play absolutely. go back and record this again or something
3: <laughs> yeah absolutely despite being my biggest supporters they are always uh, my biggest critics as well so um, they always uh, want me to be uh, show out the best of me. Uh, so that's why they, they always uh, check out on me and say, that's not enough. So um, you have to bring out the best from yourself. And um, they always give honest feedback about everything that I do. And I always ask them how they feel about uh, a new song. For example, I play it for them and then They um, say what they really think.
0: (laughs) And how much of a, with all your attention now and hundreds of thousands of views and all of that, uh, how much of a diva have you become? I mean, do you you storm out of the kitchen when your mom says that wasn't a perfect note you hit or something?
3: No, no, I I would not say that I am a diva. (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) I'm the same person I used to be.
0: Well, I, I happen to know uh, you're not a diva in the sense that I've spoken to another number of people who worked with you. Um, for example, Babak Amini, who was working with you when you came and did the For Iran concert. I, w- okay. Watching you at this event in Toronto at the end of March, I mean, you blew me away. You were so amazing up there. And part, so of, part of what was so amazing, Ida, is you were one of the only performers... To go completely solo in an arena. I mean, you it was just you and the piano. The first song you did, it was audacious, but it was also so profoundly impressive. How did you approach that? How nervous were you?
3: Thank you. I appreciate your uh, feedback. Um, so yeah, I was very nervous. It wasn't the first time I got to perform in front of ten or eleven thousand people. I'm not sure how many were there were exactly, but Um, I've never performed in front of such a big audience and uh, in such a big arena. Um, I was very nervous also because I I got to share the stage with so many amazing and big musicians in the Persian industry, music industry, so um, it was a very exciting feeling and I'm so thankful for this experience. But it was also my first time um, performing with a live band, Mm -hmm. which is so big um, and playing the piano and singing. So it was a whole new thing for me.
0: Was there something that you, I mean, uh, do do you have any kind of ritual already that you do? Was there something you said to yourself or something that somebody said to you before you went on stage to kind of bring you a level of comfort? Uh, to go out there and and rock it the way you did?
3: (laughs) Thank you. So um, usually before live performances or gigs, um, I warm up my voice and have these um, vocal warming uh, rituals um, one hour before the performance. And then I try to calm down and breathe in and out uh, a few times and drink tea, hot water, close my eyes. I try to concentrate on what I will do and not be distracted from the surrounding as uh, possible, uh, as far as, as possible.
0: What was the experience uh, like for you backstage? You talked about the 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 master musicians who were there, the famous icons. I mean, Ebi, Faramaz, Shaheen yeah. Najafi. How was that for you? And was there anybody in particular that made an, a, a major impression on you?
3: I would say everyone, each and every one of uh, the musicians that were there were, were so, so nice and kind. And the one person that surprised me um, the most was probably Evie because he's such a, an amazing icon. And before I didn't know how much of a kind person he is. And um, we had these rehearsals before the performance. On the second day, we saw each other. He even knew my name by heart. And I was like why does this famous (laughs) musician know my name (laughs) and can't remember my name so I was really surprised Um, but everyone was so amazing Um, yeah
0: and and by the way you could be forgiven for being a a teenager growing up in the west like there's many who are listening right now in canada or the u.s or whatever who wouldn't know ebby's music i mean he's he's not exactly you know uh, he's of a different generation and the the hit songs might have happened before you were born but you do know a lot of persian music don't you and you probably did know a bunch of ebby's songs
2: yeah of
3: course of course i know him and his music and also um, so, at home, um, I grew up with Persian music as well as I grew up uh, with uh, English music, so um, I know um, also the old Persian songs my p- parents um, listened to, and I grew up with this music, I would say, and um, yeah, so in during The Voice I also performed Gol Vajay, uh, which Ebi sang as well, uh, many years ago, so yeah, <laughs> you you
0: have an impressive amount of confidence. Anybody who's even listening to this right now or watching us can can see and feel that. There are people with much more experience than you in any field uh, who are crippled by anxiety or lack of confidence. What do you attribute this confidence that you have to?
3: I'm glad to hear that, um, but to be honest, I don't know. Um, what the reason would be for that um yeah i would just say that i try to believe in myself because if i don't believe in myself nobody would do and i learned it from the early years as i um started making music or uh, performing on stage and i needed this confidence i would say to be able to fight my uh, nervousness on stage and um that doesn't mean that i don't have doubts or fears in, inside but maybe i can cope with that um uh, maybe so that it doesn't appear too much mm. <laughs> as it's in the inside <laughs>
0: what are you yeah. what's something you would be insecure about what's something you would be shy about
3: Um, Performing on stage is is always a factor that makes me nervous, but because I had many experiences, I had uh, lots of piano concerts and gigs, so um, through experience I learned how to deal with that, so that it doesn't affect my performance on stage. But I would say playing live is one of these things that makes me a bit nervous.
0: That's the last thing I would think of because you seem so that's something you seem so confident about if that if that's the <laughs> thing you're nervous about then you're I mean what about yeah. in what about in daily life? I mean, are you um you seem like a social person? Is there is there anything that can throw you off? Is there anything that you uh, if I were to say what are you most shy about? What what would you think of?
3: Um opposing what maybe other people would think. If I'm um, surrounded by lots of people and so I don't like to be the center of attention in the conversation. So I always like to listen to others than having the others talk about me too much. so. I don't like to be the center of attention in a, in a group conversation or something.
0: That's going to be a tough one because it sounds like you're going to be the center of conversation for a long time, uh, based on the <laughs> ca- the career you're developing. I know that I know the story that you is that you started playing the piano and taking classes at, at six years old. Were you? were you an artistic kind of kid? I mean, was it obvious if somebody saw Ida when she was five years old, uh, which by the way, was only 12, 12 years ago. But if somebody saw you then, would they go, Oh, that's a creative kid. That's an artsy kid.
3: I think that's a question you, you had to ask my parents because I, obviously I don't remember too much, Right. Uh, but um, I know that my, uh, my mother asked me if, if there's an instrument I, I would like love to play and, My answer was, I I want to play the piano. So she sent me to piano class. And from then on, the teachers I had, they said that I have musical talent and that that they saw a sense of musicality inside of me. From then on, I I really loved making music and I didn't want to give up on that.
0: It's interesting to hear you say that you don't love to be the center of the conversation, but did you have dreams of being a star. I mean, uh, there's so many of us that, you know, when we're 10 years old, standing in front of the mirror with the hairbrush, pretending we're singing in front of a huge audience. Were you, were you one of those people or, or yeah. you you are, you were.
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I've been, um, always, um, so as I said, my biggest idol was Adele and, um, one of the first songs I heard from her, I, I think I was very little um and I you, I didn't I didn't speak English at that time so I just imitated the words she was <laughs> singing um in front of the mirror a mirror and um it was and I imagined how the camera and uh, cameras or the people were uh, looking at me um as I was singing on stage and What yeah, so- what song was It's someone like you. Ah like you yes um and i think um people like Adele, who have been my um idols have been the reason why i started singing um and yeah so there was always the dream of um not being famous um but that i could um touch people through through my music
0: sure so. yeah what Tell me about performing in the Sound of Music, because it, this story comes up when whenever I've read about you or heard about, you know, that you performed in the Sound of Music and this amped up your passion for performing and for acting and for singing. Were you Who were you in the Sound of Music? Were you one of the kids?
3: Uh, yes, I was one of the kids called Bibi, I think. Yes. <laughs> okay.
0: And what did you learn from doing that?
3: So I was eight when I uh, acted in the Sound of Music. Uh, It was a big production, so it were um, six months of practice and it was the first time uh, for me to act um, in such a professional uh, production and um, I loved it. It was such a nice experience for me Um, and also I had to sing a few songs there and it was all opera and from then on, it was the first time for me to sing um on stage. So uh, from then on I my passion for acting and um and singing grew.
0: Did you do the good night, good night, a visa a and goodbye? Did that song?
3: No, um it's it's years ago. Um <laughs> I I I don't remember all the songs, I have to be honest. But um there was this one song I only know it in German. All right. <laughs> oh, so
0: you did sound of music in German? Yes. Uh, Cuz I I would know that oh, as, as doe.
2: Do. Yes. Right,
0: that would be doe, a deer, a female deer. That, that, that,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting that you do you did musical theater. I mean, uh, you have every right to to explore whatever you want as an adventurer or musically but it's so interesting to learn of the different musical genres you've straddled. I mean, here you are talking about Adele as a, as an influence, you you were in a musical, you learn to play classical piano, you have an interest in Persian sonati music, you were singing opera for a while, you write and sing pop songs. Usually a person sticks to one lane. Do you have a sense of in all of that what speaks to you most?
3: When I compose, I write uh, pop songs more, so ballads and piano ballads um, as the songs always... um, So whenever I start a song, um, it starts with the piano and a few chords. uh, I find a chord progression and um, most songs I wrote um, were pop ballads, um, I would say um when singing but when whenever so i try to always um work on my te- piano technique that's why i uh, play classical piano pieces uh, in order to um, uh, improve my uh, skills finger skills and my technique but um in terms of singing it's more pop at the moment but i'm very open to new jo- genres i love soul jazz um and other genres as well so um right now i don't want to um uh, choose one certain direction um yeah so the music yes when
0: when you're trained in classical when you're classically trained maybe is a better way to put it is it hard to um i mean how good are you at improvising you know my sister and i both played the piano Uh, or play the piano she's really good and I'm shitty but um, but I am I guess Mm -hmm. a pop piano player so I can improvise you could throw me in with anybody she went to grade Mm -hmm. 10 in classical piano but couldn't improvise because she was used to this structured approach so um, how how do you bridge that divide
3: yeah that's a very very good point. Uh, because I learned it the classical ways, I was always dependent on piano sheets and the notes, and I had to have them in front of me in order to play. So, um, whenever my mom wanted me to play "Happy Birthday," I was always uh, immediately. So, um, I was always I used to always say I need the notes uh, in front of me because playing by ear was something that I didn't learn uh, during my uh, classical training and. Um, There have been some teachers who said, no, just the notes, that's the only right way. So, but I don't think this way. I I think as a skilled musician, you have to have these both sides because classical music is a great foundation for your technique, I would say, but um, so for me, um, as someone who wants to really um, perform on stage and write songs, the improv part is also very important, but I'm Right now I'm also working on that that side um in order to play by ear um and yeah. To... Do you,
0: do you almost have to undo some of your classical training?
3: I wouldn't say undo um but I n- know how to separate them. Ah. I would say In um, o-
0: in other words it comes from a different place in you the 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 classical yeah. piano player and the the jazz or the improvisational player are two different versions of Ida playing
3: piano. Yeah. Yes, I would
0: say that. Interesting. Yeah. It's also yeah. interesting to me that you're you're so steeped in Persian culture because I mean you were born and raised in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um but <laughs> but you not only speak Persian perfectly apparently I've seen you do Persian mm-hmm. interviews but you can read and write it which puts some of us to shame who also grew up outside of Iran <laughs> but I'm Ill- I'm illiterate. I can't, you know. So how how did you learn to do that? Or were your parents very um, I don't know enthusiastic about making sure that you could read and write Persian
3: yes very much so um so I was born and raised in Germany but um for my parents and especially for my for my mother it was very important to be able to communicate with my family inside of Iran whenever we, we flew there and um, um and they she wanted me to be able to read all the um posters on the streets and texts with my family members. So that's why for two years in my childhood, every night, I uh, um, I had to write Dikté uh, oh, in wow. Persian. Wow. And um, there was not a day I could miss it. So um, I had to write this Dikté every night for two years. So that improved my Persian language so much. Um, and yeah, so my mother Always worked hard to connect me with the Persian culture. And um, so at home, I grew up listening to Shazarian, for example, with the Persian literature. Uh, My father was very much into Persian um, poems and Khayyam and Molana, and he always showed me uh, the beautiful side of the Persian culture, um, which is why. I wanted to uh, which is why my interest in the Persian culture also grew.
0: This is amazing. I mean so you have a, a quite a you have like a trilingual uh, lifestyle in in the sense that you you have this Persian what you just described. I'm imagining your schooling has been in German, right?
3: Yes and- um, but since the seventh grade, um I also had bilingual classes so a few subjects were. Uh, Thought in um, in English as well. Right. So right now, I'm, now I'm also in a, a bilingual profile. But the most subjects, yes, they were in German.
0: And then your performance and your the the music you're into and and some of the stuff you write is in English. So you've got this, you've got all yeah. the bases covered. Um, have you have you been to Iran? You sound like you've have you visited there?
3: Yes, every two or three years, um, I visited my family in Iran, and whenever I had holidays. Um, I stayed there for a few weeks and returned. And i I can vividly remember that um, leaving Iran was the worst thing in my life mm-hmm. uh, in my uh, in my childhood for me, because um I always used to cry. and the last days um of staying in Iran were always so um, so terrible for me um and i i never wanted to leave my family Hmm. and um yeah so um also um i had to force my parents sometimes to to fly there um (laughs) and see my family and um yeah but now i think four or five years i've not been there
0: so the last time you went was about five years ago
3: yes approximately and
0: what was it Tehran? Where, where is the family in tehran
3: Um, Most of them are uh, based in Tehran, but I also have family in in Urumyeh. And uh, back then, um, a few family members were in Istanbul as well.
0: Uh, And what is your, what would you say, I mean, especially as somebody who would cry when you had to leave there, what is your impression of, I mean, beyond the politics and the moment that we're in with the uprising yeah. and the regime and all of that, what is your impression of Iran? What, what is the attachment you feel when you think about being there?
3: I think that Iran is such a beautiful country, such which has so much diversity, uh, so beautiful landscapes, so many attractions. It has so much to offer to to tourists and to other people as well. So um, it uh, for me, um, the fact that uh, the people have to live under such horrific conditions in such a beautiful country with so much potential mm-hmm. is very make, making me re- really sad. Um, and I know that when uh, Iran will be free, it will be the biggest tourist attraction um and um the food the culture it's so it's so um advanced um and yeah so
0: what about the opposite what about what about being in germany i mean ida you you may know that some of us who are uh older than you decades older than you went through having grown up in the west Um, very difficult years being Iranian growing up in the West in the 80s or 90s or or even in the 2000s. Um, What's it been like for you being an Iranian in Germany? I, I would like to think that it gets better over time for those in the diaspora, but has it been difficult for you or has everybody always understood that you're not a terrorist or a mullah or something like that?
3: When I was in another city, and right now I'm in Hamburg, but I used to live in a smaller city in Germany, and the primary school I was in was um, not so tolerant towards foreign people. My class teacher and some of my classmates, although they they were six, seven, eight years old, they had parents that taught them that no foreigners are not good. And um, they, I can remember that some of them used to tell me, your mom is she doesn't know the language, and blah, blah, blah. And from early on, I got the feeling that how I wouldn't say racism, because it was not so um the experiences I, I made were How do you say that? Um, Not so terrible, but I got the feeling. uh, What a view of a person without um, another cultural background viewed me.
0: How hard was that for you?
3: It was really hard because I had the feeling I didn't belong there. And as a child, you can't really categorize these Mm -hmm. things and know what problem they have. I just couldn't understand why they are thinking like that, but I left the school and um, also now that I moved city um, and I live in a big city, um, the people are really different. And I think that um, throughout the years in Germany, um, there are more people of uh, multi-ethnic background and I think the tolerance also uh, Mm -hmm. within the society. And now things are really getting better, I would say.
0: I've got to say, it may be strangely comforting for some people listening to this to hear you say what you just said. Not not because anybody would want you to have had a hard experience, but because... (laughs) You know, we look at people from the outside and, and looking at you, you seem like you sort of have it all. You know, you're blessed with, you're, you're smart, you're extremely talented, you've got some fame now, you're beautiful, you have, um, and you're young. And, and so to know that you also have experienced some of these things that so many of us uh, have experienced and, and um, probably learned from that is, um, is something that uh, a lot of people might be able to relate to. Tell me about how you got involved with The Voice, Persia.
3: Yeah, The Voice. Um, so um, my mother saw the the advertisement of the show on Instagram, and she immediately showed it to me and um, asked if I would be willing to participate in that show. First, I was a bit skeptical, but then after a conversation with my parents, I decided to try my luck. Um, and then I auditioned. I sent a video of me uh, singing a uh, cappella a few songs. Then I was invited to the next audition. So um, yeah, and then I got the invitation to fly over to uh, Stockholm.
0: <laughs> what were you? Yeah. Wh- what were you skeptical about at first?
3: The fact that it was a Persian show was a bit. Ama- was a point that made me a bit. Um, not skeptical, but I wasn't sure if I could make it mm. as I, I grew up in, in, and lived my whole life in Germany and I my way of thinking is very German and I, I was not so, so sure how, because it was the mm. first time uh, the voice was produced in a Persian production and I couldn't really imagine how things will work. Of course, I knew the other competitions like Stage or the uh, Academie Gugouche, but I I didn't know if it would be the same as the Voice of Germany, for example.
0: Did you know as soon as you entered how how well you would do, or when did you have a sense that you would really get as far as you did in this this competition?
3: If you would tell me that I could make it to the finals, I wouldn't have believed you (laughs) because it was just simply not a thing that I I didn't went there with the attitude to win. I just wanted to bring out the best from me and um, perform well. Um, and it, the focus for me was not winning or, or being the first uh, the first one in that show. And the fact that I could make it um, to the finals and uh, next to so many amazing voices is very was very surprising for me. And I um, still so I don't believe that i so whenever i saw see these videos mm. i think it's another person it's not me
0: <laughs> you know a lot of people a lot of people wanted or even expected that you were going to win
3: i don't know <laughs> um i think i'm very happy that i mean one he's great i love his music and his genre and i think i'm so happy that he won and um, he's
0: yeah. a he, he's a lovely guy. You may know we had I mean on the show recently. Yeah, uh, on I, show. I've
3: listened to your interview.
0: Yeah, and yeah, he, he he has it occurs to me an inverse story to you. He grew up in a family and in a community in Iran, as you know, Mashhad, that were not yeah. supportive of his music. um yeah. you you must have thought about about what your opportunities would have been like if you were in Iran, especially as a woman who would not be allowed to record solo, perform in front of mixed crowds. Uh, Do you you hear from young women in Iran who are inspired not just by who you are and what you've done, but by the opportunities you've had because you grew up in Germany?
3: Yes. um, So I'm also very grateful to be raised here in in, uh, Germany and to be able to grow um, and do the things I love, and the fact that my peers in Iran, they have to hide themselves and their identity, their interests and everything they love, they don't get arrested or imprisoned or something. Is um, I, Sometimes, when I have to be honest with you, I feel ashamed that I have these privileges and I feel very, very bad. Of course, it's not my fault that I was born here, mm. but um the if I compare our lifestyles and the circumstances they face that I don't have to face here, um it's making me sad and I um I, I know a few girls in Iran that I'm, are making music and um I they are such an inspiration because despite, despite all the hardships they um, they do what they love and they continue and they don't give
0: up 100% every once in a while somebody will play me something and I'll go oh she's amazing Where's...? and they say yeah she's in, inside Iran inside yes. Iran how did they even record that and you know it's it's it's, yeah. it's, it's quite uh, amazing that song that we played at the top Nemicham uh, it I mean it has millions of views now on um, on instagram and on on in social media tell me tell me a bit about what that song means to you now um as as it's become this sort of bigger than life representation of not just your views but you know a, a common sense that a lot of folks have had
3: yeah nemi Khan um it was a ba- in a way for me to burst out all my anger, my sadness and all my emotions uh when the revolution in Iran started. So um for me it was important to echo the voices of the people in Iran and their demands and what they so what they don't want um anymore after 40 44 years of of suppression. And for me the fact that so many people could resonate with the message of the song and I got so many lovely messages um, that people used to cry with the song, that people got encouraged to stand up through my music. It means so much to me and I'm very happy to uh, having achieved that.
0: Is this correct that you attended that massive rally in Berlin where 100,000...
3: 000... Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I've been there.
0: What was that experience like for you?
3: the fact that so many people are united for one goal it made me really emotional to see so many uh, iranians from all around the world from italy to from all other countries uh, who were only wanting the same thing freedom of iran it, it was really touching
0: and- it is um it's such a a great pleasure to get to talk to you as I said, I'm 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 such a fan, and I and I really, you know, you have such remarkable talent. I can't wait for you to tour and come you so and <laughs> uh, you know play your own shows here in Canada or the United States. I can only imagine that you could already start playing theaters here. You know, but you're popular and people have a real sense of you. Tell me about what you are uh, before I let you go. What you're most excited about doing in the. In the weeks, months, and years ahead, I mean, you've just finished the high school tests, right? So, nearly, so
3: nearly one is left, but it's in two months.
0: Oh, what what's what subject is that in?
3: It's a history.
0: Oh well, you can handle that. <laughs> That's the history's fun. So so so, what's the plan? What's the plan now?
3: That's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yet. Um, so I know that I want to study um something that. Um, that is connected to my interests and my music and art. But what exactly it will be um, is not uh, clear yet for me. I will take these two months to um, think about that and research. Um, But no, I I don't know yet (laughs) what I want to do. But I know that regardless of what I will study, music will be my number one passion and I will definitely give my best to achieve my dreams uh, in terms of music and uh, release songs and write more compose more songs and release more so uh,
0: well um we can't wait to hear more from you i can't i mean i can't even imagine how amazing you're going to be when you're really old like 19 um <laughs> <laughs> you know you're, uh, it, it is such a, a I'm so glad I got to talk to you I hope um, I hope too. you do visit Toronto again and in you know maybe you can come play in our studio one day and, and but in the meantime we're, we're sending you so much support and uh, and congratulations on all your success and the success with The Voice and hope to talk to you thank again you so soon far.
3: thank you so much um, it was an honor for me to have this conversation with you
0: merci khudafes
3: yeah, God of us.
0: This is Rook, episode 261. I'm Gian Gomeshi. My next guest is a life coach, motivational speaker, and stress recovery specialist. Solmaz Bagheer is the host of the podcast, Lom Talk Alam, and the person behind the popular Instagram page, Solmaz Bagheer Coach. She has been working diligently to produce helpful content regarding the current situation in Iran and right now. It is a pleasure to have Solmaz Bagheer back here joining me live in the Rook studio. Hello. Hi, Gianna. You're laughing because you know that your last name is a challenge for me. <laughs> yeah. A guy named Gianna Gomeshi who went through his entire life with kids <laughs> not knowing how to say his name in school. Yeah. But barq, gear, you've got the q and the ge, g, gear.
4: Yeah, it's difficult. Is there a Farsi. can
0: you just get a little closer to the microphone? Yeah. There you go. Is it? Is it a? Uh, do I pause after I say the barq?
4: That would be helpful for you.
0: But it's not the way it sounds, right?
4: No, in Farsi we are in rush right Go for it. We say barqir.
0: Well, there was a little bit of a the barqir. I did
4: it for you. I can't no, do a fast, it fast. Do the do the fast version. Barqir.
0: Nah, and was there's a barqir? Okay, okay. Pass. I was I wasn't bad.
2: Yeah.
0: uh if only the conversation we're about to have was as fun as that. <laughs> I, we we you know, I really appreciate you coming in. In fact, you partly are back here because you reached out. Yes. Saying that. um You've been thinking about how we are thinking about this uprising, this revolution that has taken place over the last seven and eight months. And the different emotions we've experienced from euphoria, believing that change was imminent, to deflation, maybe now seeing that change is not imminent. Um, We spoke so much about the catharsis so many Iranians around the world felt in the fall. You know, mm-hmm. the rebirth of Iranian pride. We even talked about the, the uprising. I remember one of my guests in Istanbul talked about it as a collective healing we were all feeling. It, it has not panned out that way it feels recently. Uh, first of all, just set the stage for me as a stress recovery specialist. What have you witnessed in terms of the stress level of Iranians in this period, say, since Christmas time or since Nowruz?
4: It's been, th- that's exactly what, the, 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 the way you described it is what exactly has happened to us. we It's been like a roller coaster. We have been up and down. With my clients, I talk with them. Of course, my clients are outside Iran. And all of them have this frustration that, wow, what happened? It's like nothing has happened back home. And... My, my colleagues ask me, what's, what's going on in Iran? And I have nothing to say. And, you know, my, part of my job with myself, with my clients, is that we reflect on what's happening to mm-hmm. us emotionally, physically, spiritually. And one of the reflections for myself is to learn that revolution, any movement, something like that, is not that something that will happen in a blink and an eye. You know, we are so in such a culture, in such a day and day that we think that whatever we want, it should come, like right. it's like a clique, right? right? Amazon shopping. Right, the,
0: cur- the currency of the 21st century is speed. Yeah. That is what everybody wants. That's the, that's the value in life is speed, 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 yeah, speed, exactly. but that is not what uh well it's not what life is all about first of all but it's not even realistic in terms of what life should be life is not a TikTok, exactly uh, um, exactly and it's not
4: what should have happened in iran so far but
0: when did you so, so first of all when you had this kind of eureka moment when you realized that change is not going to come quickly for us when was that moment what happened that you sort of that clicked for you
4: yeah, for me, it happened when I saw every single client of mine is so anxious, stressful, and I was thinking, what is the reason for this much of stress when there is not that much of bad news from back home? And I learned that we are stressed because we think what we expected is not happening, uh, and right. that's stressful, right? Right? For our mental health, we think that, oh my god, we had that amount of people, that right. many people have been killed, injured, Blinded for nothing, for nothing so, so far.
0: Yeah, isn't it interesting that we know we had people saying to us, academics, people who've studied revolutions, m- you know, wise elders <laughs> saying to us all through the fall, These things take time, no revolution very rarely happens overnight, even when it's perceived to happen overnight, like in 1979, it was percolating for a year and a half, exactly. etc. Um. And yet, we all kind of had this aspirational sense of maybe, maybe this will be over by. Uh, my cousin was saying, by Christmas it's done, you know. I and know. then he changed that to Roos and now no. he kind of doesn't say much about it, I you know, know. But, but I mean, it, we all had that hope, right? Exactly. So we're we're. It's not logical that we are disappointed. It, it, we're disappointed because it was our far fetched hope that didn't wasn't realized, rather than a realistic view of how many steps this is gonna take.
4: Yeah, I know we were on top of the roller coaster, first off, second, the human nature is kind of that we forget what we have learned. How many times you have thought that I'm gonna go on diet, not you, um, any other No, no, that that works for me, too, going on diet. Diet, gym, you go (laughs) for a week, and you're like, nothing has changed, and you quit, Right. right? Add to it lots of pain yes, Lots of misery So it dra- it drains people's energy
0: But there's something else too yeah. And it's something that you That is the crux of what it comes down to For you in terms of what you want to Say today Which is that it's not just that You know I don't know That, that, that there hasn't been a profound change In Iran in terms of the toppling Of this current uh, government Or regime It's that the unity the collective euphoria yeah. the hey brother hey sister high-fiving that we were doing in the fall that feels like it's dissipated you know we've we've if there's been one underlying idea of this program for the last 3 years that i've been doing is that we talk about iranians are uh, are divided people you know there's we can't get it together collectively and sometimes we we do that in a joking way you know like we uh, but to actually see that taking place to see that disunity now on a daily basis, glaringly in social media as these, the so-called opposition leaders, the factions that support them or don't support them war with each other. That is really jarring and and yet it underscores what we've always said. So from your perspective, why are we having so much trouble with unity?
4: You know, um, the reason I approached you was the interview you had with Maziar Fallohi and part of it Maziar said uh, Iranian have lost hope. Iranian government wants to get f- to make us think that we are a miserable p- we are miserable people, we don't have any hope. They want to kill, uh, kill our morality in a way that we can't breathe. And I was like, wow, yeah, exactly mm. that's what it is. We need to know that hope is something that comes from within. And in order for me to have, that was the, the pivot moment in my um, social media activity, in my podcast, I learned that so much, instead of being direct, sharp, black and white, you need to, to add color, to add spice to your message. And to, to bring some hope to people's mind by thinking that.
0: You can't be direct and have hope?
4: I couldn't, because well, people were, were so miserable Everyone was so hopeless. They, they didn't mm. want to hear me from my point of view, p- from the perspective I was looking. So I changed my perspective. I, t- I took it the, from my point of view. I, I learned that, okay, we need to learn how to be kind with each other. In order t- for me to be kind with you, first I should learn how to be kind with myself. Mm. In order to be kind with myself, I need to have empathy with myself, mm-hmm. with my abilities and mm-hmm. disabilities. And for that, I need to have a strong, solid self-esteem. What, for the last 40 years, have been killed in Iran?
0: When you talk about relationship barriers that Iranians have, this is what you're talking about, yeah. right?
4: We don't have empathy, we are not kind to each other, because we are hard on ourselves. Uh, it,
0: we're not gonna figure that out in, in the next six months. I mean, no, that,
4: but we need to start from somewhere. Uh It's been 40 years. We are saying, oh, this is not something that we can do in a blink. And I, okay, so let's start it from somewhere, right? And I started it.
0: So, okay, before you tell me how you started it, so what are we talking about? We're talking about lack of compassion, lack of empathy. Lack
4: of empathy, lack of understanding.
0: And how does that play itself out?
4: When I don't understand your point of view, I say my way or highway. Right. When I always, when I don't know how to agree to disagreements, right. and I always fight, right. I cannot be united to my fellow Iranians.
0: There is such a, it's so clear that, you know, between somebody who's a left-wing activist out there and a monarchist, and a, that that the response to each other, I mean, if social media we know is toxic, so maybe it's not the best example, but, but if you do look at it, it's not okay, let me try and understand your point of view and see if we can come to some middle ground. It's basically fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
4: Good. Uh, you used it. Yeah. They're just a few. It's my way or highway. Right. They were with me, the st- they were the same with me. Many people attacked me. When I was active, they attacked me. Why are you so active? Oh, who are you? You're a coach. Shut up. Blah blah blah. When I started to pivot, they're like, Oh, what happened to you? See? You're one of them. You, you
0: had said something when you were talking about the interview with Maziar Falahi. We were that, in that conversation with Maziar. He was talking about the question of whether h- how we feel about people partying or people um, you know, having a good time or sh- if, if we should always just exist in some state of sadness because yeah. we're thinking about the kids who've been killed. H- how does that enter this conversation around compassion and empathy?
4: We don't know what's... We are living in Canada, in Toronto, right? We are sitting here... I'm very safe. I feel safe that if if I go out, something happens, cops are there, they will protect me, right? I have no right to judge people who are in Iran. And from my point of view, they're partying. I'm not saying they're doing right or wrong. But this judgment means that I have no empathy to the situation they're living Mm. in, right? So when I take that part out, I can see through the direction of their thoughts they're in misery. Many people in Iran they don't have good life.
0: But but the empathy piece, I mean the 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 disunity it does it doesn't always exist between the people in the diaspora and the people inside Iran. It's the people with each other in the yeah, diaspora. Yeah, exactly. So what if the person is partying in Richmond Hill? You know, I mean? no, I mean really, if you, and you don't and you're and you're someone who doesn't. Uh, you know like that or something I mean how you know how does the compassion piece come in there
4: yeah the compassion comes that if I can if I think that person is not doing something right it's from their point of view it's from their upbringing it's how they, they live their lives if I can do something I will focus on myself mm-hmm. I will put I always say bring desire being back on yourself and look at yourself see what's going on with you why are you so hard on that person because you're not kind to yourself too And if I'm harsh on him and say, oh, see, you're doing this and that. How come? Will it be enrolling for you? Mm. Will you listen to me? Never. No one, no one can be harsh on other people. I had a friend who was always telling other friends, why don't you come to the protest on Sundays? You are not good at Iranian, blah, blah, blah. And they would not come the next week, too. And she was she would be more frustrated. Right. And I was like, this doesn't work.
0: Well, it's funny how far we've traveled in just a few months. I mean, speaking the roller coaster analogy, you know, there was a moment in October or November when, if somebody didn't say something, if somebody wasn't at the rally, uh, we, they were suspect. I mean, we are just like, what, "What's what's up with? What's up is with this his... person working for the regime? Why yeah. are they not?" And now, I mean, I've had some feedback for on this program. Why are you still talking about the situation in Iran? It's you know, enough already. I mean, it's almost like we've completely gone the other direction from where we were just at not four or five months us. ago. No, not no, of course all of not all. all. And there's still some demonstrations taking place and there's people yeah. on hunger strikes. I'm not but I'm but but it's certainly a different social expectation now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You so, know, so and, yeah, and I'm John...
0: guessing you could not say to anybody right now, no. why are you partying? Uh, in, in in the Iranian diaspora, anywhere they, they they'd say, "Well, you I think know." From
4: day one, we shouldn't have told anyone about your partying because a person whose belief is not to be there for uh, their fellow Iranian back home, being there, being present in protest means nothing.
0: No, but I disagree with that. Actually, uh, I, I, I'm going to put myself out there on that because I, because I think it. It wasn't, or it isn't, helpful in the moment when people are being executed. Yeah, it feels yeah. disrespectful f- for let's have a gala and eat, you know, fancy foods. Oh, and, that's
4: and that's yeah, for sure. I was talking about what they're doing at their homes. Yeah, yeah, after yeah, yeah th- sure. That's the
0: part where I was, I no, was no, sort no, of no, like, no, no. okay. Yeah, right. I, although no, I, never no. dis- I never never was totally on board with the, you know, I, I think we can play concerts and be and turn them into efforts to support the people in Iran and all that. But but the the sort of, you know. Um, Uh, celebration celebratory uh, material uh, excesses Uh, there's a a time and place and not when people are being killed but yeah I mean that
4: part was like someone is in funeral and is dancing
0: so right it was exactly like
4: that like you want to do something get out of so how do
0: we redirect things now I mean if you're if somebody says right now, is listening to this and is a little confused and going, okay, well, empathy and compassion and you be kind to each other, yeah, okay. But if I want to help the people in Iran and and my idea is this and that, or supporting this person, what am I supposed to do? You're telling me I shouldn't be chanting, you know, the name of my
4: leader or whatever? (laughs) We can chant and everything. In our culture, there is something about being so demanding. Instead of making a request, we are demanding the other party And that demanding creates an uh, interactional barrier Meaning that when we call it in Farsi Talabkar mm-hmm. is the person who says, oh, you should do it, this is your... Mm-hmm. And it's not in rulings yeah It has m- much of anger We need to learn this And that's why I added some part in my content in the videos I put on Instagram, it's the part of videos, if you pay attention, it's mostly about kids. Kids are talking to each other. Mothers are talking to kids. Because I learned that, huh, instead of being direct and harsh, I can go from down there mm. and and talk to people's inner child. The part that is so angry doesn't let us to move forward. And the government is throwing the seeds of anger, of um, just, just cutting the tafra, I don't know how's what was it doing that. that. By bringing oh, this person being founded by that uh-huh. that organ. That's stuff like that. And Sowing we don't, the
0: seeds of the disunity. that Yeah, we, this
4: yeah. disunity. Yeah. Right. And what's happening? We judge each other without even having any facts. We are emotionally reacting to each other. Yes. Right? Yes. And we are always talabkar. We're demanding it. That's what has happened for the last forty years earthquake happens back home, everyone is like, Oh, the government is that, that's I'm not saying the government's perfect. Of course it's not. Yes. But I'm saying we, we always disregard our own roles, right? And that's a part we need to to, to consider when we are in, in a relationship with each other as Iranian. We need to accept that no one is complete. Be kind to each other first. I'm not saying oh hug each other and say oh everything is alright. No. no. But when I'm st- when I go to attack someone and judge them mm-hmm. just give a little bit of benefit of doubt. Mm. maybe that person has something to say right
0: so what if somebody has a really really different point of view of what should we, we should do than you do like what if somebody i don't even know what you, your exact point of view is but but if you if you don't support bombing iran what if somebody says the answer is to bomb iran uh, yeah, last
4: time we talked about it too. I have learned to think, where am I investing my energy at the moment mm-hmm. with people? Like you're talking about bombing Iran. I'm like thinking, does Gian has bombs? No. Who cares what Gian thinks? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, this let's disregard. Yes. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah>. No. <laughs> what, oh, what, no, I feel yeah, bad. Uh, no, yes,
0: say I'm the person. Say, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you yeah out
4: say here, it, yeah. Yeah i don't know i'm saying bomb you on
0: and you disagree yeah what and, wh- and how do you that approach instead that instead
4: of instead of engaging with someone whose thoughts or words would do nothing and make more tension there right? don't
0: engage with them no don't engage. avoid them
4: not do, avoid agree to disagreement and move on uh-huh. right Unless they have the bomb in their pocket, they're going... But to
0: how do we actually have constructive conversations then?
2: Yeah, exactly. Let's, I mean, what, let's what, shouldn't you stuff? talk to the
0: guy who wants the bomb and say, tell no. me what your reasons are, hey, maybe we can have a conversation about this, and I disagree with you? Let or? me
4: go with that. Like a m- couple of months ago, I was in a get-together, like gathering, and a person started talking about a fellow Iranian in a very bad way. You know that person too. And she was going oh. on and on and on. Yeah, this person, egomaniac this and that, is doing nothing using this revolution to uh, to get influencers and everything. Oh. And I just asked, do you think that person has done one good thing? And she was like, because she was just making the whole thoughts po- toxic for no reason. Like, right. what? how does it serve oh. us, right? Who is supporting that person? Oh. And she was like, yeah, in some aspect, I was like, I'm really curious, what was that, hmm. right? And we ended up to talk about something that was constructive, we agreed to our disagreements, mm. and we moved on. I could not convince her that she's talking, like toxic yeah. Yeah. about someone who we is not present to defend themselves, right. and this is our dominant culture. Yes. If that person was in that room, she would not open her mouth.: Yes. Right. And I could not directly and harshly tell her, "Shut your mouth. This is not right. We don't talk about each other yeah. when someone'.: I mean, it's, is contributing. It's, it's the
0: Iranian version of the, it's the cancel culture, you yeah. know like uh, but I mean, it's so clear to me as you're talking about this, that the roots of it are anger somebody's disappointed, angry, frustrated with the situation, and they're lashing out to blame, to, to find a scapegoat, right?
4: Yeah, and nobody is complete. Nobody is perfect. No, none of us are perfect. We just need to accept that. If I accept myself that I'm not perfect, and I'm trying my best to get better every yeah. day one step, I will not attack you when I see something is yeah. wrong with you. Yeah. And that's what we need in our relationships as Iranian, outside Iran, inside Iran. Jianjian, I put some couple of several filters on my ears. I hear stuff from people, not my clients, of course, my friends back home here and stuff. And I always think, Salmaz, does it serve you? Does it help you? If it doesn't, disregard it. Move on, move on. And this is what the roller coaster of uh, Iran's movement taught me, because I aged, honest to God, during that six months, I aged 10 years. I have never felt like that, Jian. never. And I learned that I should reflect, get the lessons, move on. And I'm yeah. teaching my clients, your stress, find the root of your stress. Don't fight with it.
0: You know, the, the saddest part of what you're saying is there were, uh, there were some people, actually I have this Iranian friend who, we had a disagreement early on after the killing of Mazamini and when, when all the demonstrations were taking place, even the huge one here in Toronto, and, and she, she, she wouldn't take part in it all. She's Iranian. And uh, she said, "This is this. This won't get anywhere. I, I don't want. And I don't want any part of it. I, I'm, I'm too chastened, too um, just dispirited by the last four decades of and the way Iranians are that I don't think that there's any. And I, you know, six months, seven months later. I mean, I think that was a healthier position to take." You know, for, for, uh, for herself, for, for, not for I mean, uh, not the, for Iran. She didn't age ten years. <laughs> yeah. Right. But but it's, if it's you so back, sad. But you know, because yeah, I yeah. disagree with not being part of the demonstrations. But
4: okay, but maybe she, she should, wasn't wrong. I mean, yeah, I yeah. look at where
0: we're at right now, right?
4: Let, let me let me go back to my statement and complete it. If I go back to September, knowing that I will age ten years, I still will do every yeah. single thing I did. Yeah. You know why? Because thinking that nothing will major will happen right now so i'm not going to be part of it it's like thinking that oh this ice cream will melt so i'm not going to have it yes yes so no as a as and, an, and right? by the way
0: we shouldn't be talking in absolute terms as if nothing has happened because no, no. as we know the goalposts have changed so much and there's so much headway that has been made mostly due to the brave young women and men in Iran. But but I mean, even the way the diaspora has organized has completely revolutionized yeah. in the last six or seven months. So there is that, you know. It's not like it no, was there like, is
4: a but, major achievement. But
0: we just haven't, it just didn't all come so far. It didn't far, come, you
4: know? come yeah. through the way that we thought it should. Yes. Right. It you know, hasn't come through the way that we thought it should, and because we need still, we need to work on ourselves to be united, to be all together. Everyone agreed to disagreements. Honest to God, we should stop judging each other.
0: You know something that uh, a realization I came to last weekend, um, my eureka moment. Uh, I was going to save it for, for an essay that I'm going to do, but I'll say I'll, <laughs> I'll tell it to you right now. Thank you, Amor. <clears throat> At the end of the uh, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> uh, well, uh, my realizing, my eureka moment was because I was, I was marinating on this idea of how there's so much disagreement amongst the different factions. Let's call it different opposition leaders and their, you know, and how that's been deflating to see, you know, that this just the um, the accusations of you know you're a communist and you're a mujahed Moh- yeah. and you're a wannabe king and all of this kind of stuff, right? And and then I was thinking, my my moment over the last weekend was, well, you know what? Maybe this is meant to be. I mean, this is part of the process. It's not fun, and it is frustrating, yeah. but it is something our community needs to go through. And, learn. and maybe it's not a bad thing that we're going through it now. In other words, if the regime had been toppled in November. All of this stuff needs to still flush out, right? I mean, I, I'm I'm not sure that just because the regime would, that that there would be all unity. Now we'd be doing it with a country that needs real leadership and all of that. So I mean, this stuff has to happen, and maybe it's 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 tearing off the scab and exactly. and dealing with the wound. And in that sense, it's not a bad thing. That's Let's let you know the community has to to go through this and and figure out that this isn't helpful and and on some level we have to get through these disagreements and debates and find what the, the points of connection and unity are going to be right
4: yeah that's that's such a good reflection you see, see? <laughs> <laughs> join me on my podcast <laughs> I'd be happy to oh yeah now okay. that
0: I know how to say it <laughs> lam takalam." <laughs> lam ta yeah um, that's
4: that's exactly what uh, what I wanted I have been always I learned it and I want to distribute it that in order to get to a result should be patient it's like you want to get get a phd can you get it in six months no revolution is worse than that yes way worse than yes
0: ever. worse than a phd how can anything be worse than it oh I, my god <laughs> thank you <laughs> my pleasure it's thank always you. a pleasure to see you oh. merci Salmaz has left the studio Pega has returned Hello. into the studio for the roundup you know those conversations I really appreciate what mm-hmm. Solmaz is trying to do in terms of addressing what our next steps are mm-hmm. and the roots of our uh, dysfunctionality which are not going to be solved anytime soon <laughs> yes. but, but deserve a hearing you know in terms of how we can um, put this community on the, on the same page mm-hmm. but there, it's such a tough conversation to have and yet, a necessary one.
1: Absolutely. How do and we? One we've talked about so many times.
0: So many times. And it feels like we, yeah, we, we kind of go in circles. But at the same time, I, I agree with pretty much everything she mm-hmm. said. Is are you okay there? Your computer went off.
1: No, it's okay. And you're fine. <laughs> All right. Low on battery, but we're good. <laughs> I, I
0: wanted to I wanted to do uh to get to the roundup as we go into the roundup here before we end the show. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to these three, uh, Iranian journalists, three women. Mm-hmm who are still currently in prison, Niloufar Hamadi, Elohe Mohamedi, Narges Mohammadi, who have been named the laureates of the 2023 UNESCO Guillermo Cano World Press Freedom Prize. This is following the recommendation of an international jury of media professionals. Uh, this just happened in the last couple of days, and it's, it's deserved and kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Do you want to... Tell us a bit about this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, just to refresh everyone's memory, um, Niloufar Hamedi was the journalist who actually broke the news of the killing of Massa Amini. Right. And then um, a little bit later, it was Elohe, Hamed, uh, sorry, Elohe Mohammadi who reported on Massa Amini's funeral. Now, both these individuals have been imprisoned since. So that's way back in September, and they've been in prison since then. Right. Um, and then, of course, Naghiz Mohammadi, who has been a journalist for many years and has worked on, you know, ma- many many stories like this, and has written for some of the more reformist papers in Iran, is currently serving a 16-year sentence in Evin for simply doing her job.
0: <sighs> yeah, I mean, this kind of recognition, I, you, we, you'd hope for a lot more mm-hmm. for these three than just uh, winning prizes from outside of Iran Absolutely. in terms of um, their bravery, um, the importance of the work they've done up until now, and the work they uh, they continue to do. Mm-hmm. Now, now I guess is writing in prison, right? Yeah, that's uh,
1: exactly what I was gonna mention is that um while she's been serving this this 16-year sentence, Nagus has actually been taking that time to interview other female prisoners and to write their stories. So she's currently working on a book, um, and it's going to feature all of these uh, various stories.
0: Well, good on UNESCO for the recognition, and uh, every bit counts in terms mm-hmm. of keeping the, keeping the spotlight on... Um, the atrocities of Iran what else you got for the roundup
1: well speaking of atrocities um, I was going to mention the meeting between Raisi and Assad recently um, huh? so this was um, a very significant meeting considering there had been um, no isn't that a ball of fun those yeah. two together <laughs> it's <laughs> yes. like a,
0: a, a day at the amusement park yeah, yeah. well
1: the the headline has been um, the meeting of the two butchers is what they're being referred to as um, on Persian Twitter. On Persian and, Twitter. And I was going to say, where's the headline? Yeah. You've seen that? That uh, makes sense on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, on Persian Twitter. So um, I wanted to actually talk about this because it's quite significant. This is the first time an Iranian president um, has visited with Assad um in syria since the civil war broke out uh, back in 2011 and in um, syria in syria yes exactly and this is even more important because um the islamic republic has you know mentioned numerous times that they want to play a key role in in rebuilding syria i guess and so this just solidifies that um and then of course we have the entire dynamic of saudi arabia and this new Brotherhood, if you will, with right. the Islamic Republic, right. um, and of course Saudi Arabia and their kind of um, behind-the-scenes uh, relationship with Assad as well, and trying to normalize that relationship right. within the rest of the Western world. So very, very significant. It's pretty demeaning. naked to
0: see this, right? This is a this is the Iranian government, the the, the regime, if you will, mm-hmm. on a campaign of consolidation and cooperation mm-hmm. and coordination with all of the. Dubious countries around yes. Iran, right? One by one, reaching out. To, I mean, there's a Saudi Arabia bromance, as you say, mm-hmm. and Syria, and, um, and and very overtly so. You know, this, these these meetings are not happening behind closed doors, oh, yeah. right?
1: <laughs> yep. Very much out in the all open, right. and again, I think it's also reiterating this kind of united front that they're trying to present against Israel. We've heard that uh, from Assad, right. we've heard that from the Islamic Republic. Right, right. So, also solidifying that. Not just
0: that, but uh, there was some news breaking today about um, a coordinated effort to militarily threaten Israel mm-hmm. with the, all these countries. The same thing as you're saying. Right. I mean, it's nothing new, and you know, but it, it, it is new in how overt this all yes. is. Yeah. Yes. Um, what else you got?
1: Um, on Saturday there was a rally in the UK um, thousands of Iranians mm-hmm. showed up and this was in support of Vahid Beheshti yes. and his, um, his campaign to have the IRGC listed as a terrorist organization by the UK um, Vahid I mean, of course
0: was sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. Vahid was on our show yes. about a month ago he is the UK uh, also a journalist actually mm-hmm. an activist who uh, has been on a hunger strike outside of the UK foreign office um, when we had him on the show last month, it was for 43 days yeah. to try and pressure the UK government into putting the IRGC, as you say, on the on the terrorist list. It's it's now 70 days
1: or I, something. I think right? so. Yeah. 70 yeah. or 71 days, something like that. And, um, you know, you're really starting to see his health deteriorate. Um, he, you know, the, these images of him, he just looks so frail. But what I wanted to mention is it was such a nice. Um, outpouring of support again and it had been some time since we had seen that so it was really wonderful to see thousands of people show up and to support this cause Um, and not only did we see this in London but we actually saw rallies um, in so many other places I know there was a couple here in Toronto Montreal Vancouver um, Berlin Paris Milan just to name a few and again same thing to see that support and to see people come out and echo that sentiment it was wonderful
0: really good to see there I hate to say it, but there was also I saw some videos of people arguing against each other, or people, (laughs) like people uh, protesting Mm -hmm. against some of the protesters. You know, different camps. Uh, so back to that disunity piece yes. and you've got a viral video to talk I about I do right? I
1: do. actually on that same note um, there's um, there's a video that's that's really making the rounds I guess and it's by a gentleman I think his name is Arash and his Instagram is oh if I'm not mistaken but I thought it was so well done it's just kind of this um, short one man skit and um, the video is uh, it shows kind of three characters one representing uh, the Islamic Republic one representing kind of supporters of um, Reza Pahlavi and then one supporting Hamid um, Ismail and it just shows the back and forth between yeah. these individuals and ultimately the point of this little skit is to show the only person benefiting here is the Islamic Republic yeah. and I just thought it was done in such a comedic manner but it was you know it really drives that point home that yeah. This is not helpful to our cause in any way, shape, or form. It's quite, it's
0: quite profound. I mean, and and so that video has gone viral.
1: It has, yeah. I mean, it's pretty. I've been it's funny. It I mean, it's funny as well. It yeah. is
0: the guy. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the they're bickering at each other. Exactly. and It's, um, it's, funny, sad it, it, it's it it, funny, it is funny, sad. It rings quite true for yeah. what we're experiencing. All right, let's end the show talking about uh, one of our favorite places, Sydney, Sydney. Australia, which happens to be. Uh, a city that is one of the largest audiences that listen to Rook. Mm -hmm. So you know there's a big uh, Persian crowd in Sydney, Australia, because I think it's our seventh or eighth biggest city actually listening to us um, uh, even though it's on the other side of the world shout out to Australia yes. what is happening in Sydney
1: well there is a very um, exciting Persian film festival taking place in Sydney and this is actually their 10th year running it so wow. to you know echo that point of the fact that there's a large community there definitely is they've done this for 10 years um, the film festival has been running since April 26th and it runs through through until May 7th um, and this year in particular they're commemorating the woman life freedom movement and celebrating the many years of resistance in Iranian cinema so what they're actually doing is showcasing a lot of films that were banned in Iran which mm. I think is amazing to have people be able to uh to see that so if you're in Sydney or anywhere close by
0: if you can get on a plane mm.
1: yeah to Sydney. <laughs>
0: yeah yes, with your fake products full circle <laughs> if you were listening to the, the beginning of the show you got that reference um thank you Um, well, thank you. um good that uh, happy days to those of you in uh, sydney that was pretty good roham you almost had it there (laughs) (laughs) he's playing me out merci Aray roham who's buying the soundboard there this is full time for rook for today thank you pega thank
1: you
0: for all things rook related check out rookmedia.com our website that has all our previous episodes all of our funnies all of our videos all of our different programming including the Contemporary History of Iran series thanks to the amazing team who make up Rook Media talented Anahita Smart Pega Super Parisa Savvy Roham and Bearded Omid thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content please subscribe if you haven't done so already on any of our platforms or all of them you can find me on Instagram at Gian Gomeshi find the show on Instagram at Rook Media and as ever in the meantime Mizu and Bashin.